Hey everyone, welcome in to another daily editorial here on the KE Report. We're looking at a nickel company and maybe even discussing a little bit about the nickel market in this interview as we are getting an update from Magna Mining, traded on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol NICU. We are chatting with Jason Jessup, CEO and Director at Magna Mining, as well as Paul Fowler, Senior Vice President. Now, Magna Mining focused in Sudbury, as I mentioned, in the nickel market, the company holds a couple projects, the Shakespeare project, which is already at the feasibility stage. That feasibility was released back in 2022 and the Crane Hill project that is up to a PEA stage that was completed last year, mid 2023. The company has a large exploration program this year, a 25,000 meter fully funded program with three rigs now mobilized. We already have the first set of results from back on February 20th. But Jason, first and foremost, this drill program this year, a bit of a shift for the company more into the discovery focus drilling. Take us through the strategy of these three rigs turning on site. Yeah, absolutely, Corey. And thanks for having me on the show. Last year, we drilled about almost 25,000 meters, 24, it's a little over 24,000 meters between Crane Hill and, and our Shakespeare project. And specifically at Crane Hill, we were really trying to understand some of the, the near contact footwall zones, such as the 101 zone, the 109 zone, the 105 footwall zone. And these are areas that were previously in the resource, but not well understood, not well defined. So we did a number of drill holes to, to better delineate those zones and then step out for them and understand the structures that were hosting these footwall deposits with some you know, very high grades. But we took all that information in the fall and we really digested, interpreted it, and were able to make some predictions on where these structures might meet further back into the footwall. And these are the types of environments where, you know, in the past in Sudbury, you know, some large footwall deposits have been formed. And, you know, those are primarily copper, PGM rich type deposits where you can see grades, you know, above 10% copper and, and above 10 grams of PGMs. So that's really what we're set out to do this year. We had these interpretations, we had targets we wanted to test. And, you know, starting back in November, we started drilling some platform holes. And these are deep holes, three to 400 meters in behind our resource that would be used for borehole geophysics, EM, electromagnetic geophysics, to try and detect any conductors back in the footwall. So we've completed three of those holes right now. And, you know, we believe that there's great potential and that is the best use of our exploration dollars this year. It's not to incrementally expand on the resource, but actually to find a new deposit. Well, Jason, just following up on that real quick, I think it's also important to delineate, as you were kind of alluding to there, that in these footwall resources, the mineralogy is a little different than what you were finding in some of the other areas. So you really have kind of two different kinds of mineralization going on at the same time. For people listening in, maybe just break that down to that you really have two swings at the pinata here, some that's more nickel focused and some that may have that more copper PGM. It's, it's a nice balance of metals. Yeah. And that's one of the great things about the geology in Sudbury. And, you know, many of the, the mines in Sudbury have their typical nickel copper contact style of mineralization. That's the bulk of what's been mined in Sudbury. But you also have these very copper and PGM rich styles of mineralization. And our results we released on February 20th from the 109 zone is really highlighting that potential where we're seeing, you know, much more copper dominated massive sulfide 
veins going through these breccia systems and these foot walls. So yeah, it's it's great to have that kind of optionality where you can, depending on where the market's at and where commodity prices are at, you can change your focus and and really focus in on either the say copper and precious metals. If nickel's a little depressed, when nickel turns back on, you know, focus more on the nickel rich areas of the uh, deposit. It is a great uh, optionality to have here in Sudbury. So how does this fit into the bigger strategy here? When we've chatted with you before, you've talked about a hub and spoke model where Shakespeare is the production hub. Crane Hill can feed some of that material. Maybe even looking at other projects in the area, shifting to exploration. Is this now back to a drilling story? Well, we're not, I would say, uh, changing our focus. Our vision for the company you know, has been since inception is really to create this hub and spoke production model centered around Shakespeare, where we have our permits to build a 4,500 ton per day mill. But, you know, just like other great juniors, such as FNX in, in the history in Sudbury, there's a lot of value that can be created through the drill bit and new exploration discoveries. And as we are advancing Crane Hill towards getting all of our permits in place to do advanced exploration, which would entail both surface bulk sampling and underground mining through a new ramp development, you know, we we have a budget this year to drill 25,000 meters. So we're going to use that where we see the most value can be created. And, and that right now is through making some discoveries, but that doesn't mean we're not focused on advancing towards our, our long-term vision. Well, Paul, let's get you into the conversation here and also talk about, as far as that expanded vision, that the company has some optionality here as far as at Crane Hill. There are two large producing entities near you that you could, in fact, start a toll milling agreement with. That's something you've messaged to the market in the past that could be an option. So maybe to speak about why Sudbury is such an important base of operations for the company in the nickel space and the optionality that you have as far as getting some revenues generating down the road from Crane Hill first. Yeah, absolutely. So I think to set the stage to answer all those questions, you know, Jason's alluded to our um, aspirations to develop Crane Hill and Shakespeare. We've also alluded to our, our exploration strategy. So as, as you mentioned, the third part of our strategy that we're running concurrently is to acquire additional assets in the Sudbury Basin. And, you know, our strategy to do that is is predicated on the fact that there are still significant assets remaining in the Sudbury Basin that are, by definition, in the hands of the majors there, the three major companies there, that we know very well and that we think would fit very nicely, very closely and create lots of value within the existing model that we have. To answer your other question about moving into production quickly and the unique advantages we have because we're in, in Sudbury, Yes, you're right. The the advantage that we have that I can't think of any other junior companies who have this, particularly not in the nickel space, is that there is existing milling capacity in Sudbury at the two existing mills that are there that are somewhere in the region of at about half capacity, we believe. So there are opportunities for us with Crean Hill, as we've said on a number of occasions, to go into production quickly through a toll milling or, or more precisely termed an ore selling agreement with one of those two mills owned by the two major, one of the two major companies in Sudbury. So that gives us the opportunity to create cash flow very quickly, which of course is the cheapest cost of capital that we could then utilize in further development of our two assets and further exploration. And that's particularly crucial in an environment when the cost of capital is high and still continues to escalate. So so it's a big advantage to be able to do that. Yeah, to your point there, I think all investors would be wondering with how tough this market has been in terms of raising money, just even in terms of getting interest in stories. Why wouldn't you focus on this? What steps need to happen for you to move forward 
with some sort of cash flow. Yeah, so we're actually, we, we've said on a, a few occasions, so I'll, I'm specifically referring here to, to Cream Hill, because that's the asset at which we believe we can bring into production quite quickly through one of these um, all selling agreements with one of the one of the mill operators in Sudbury. So, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit on other forums and in press releases, but really, we're quite close to be able to be able to do that. And we, we think we can execute execute this possibly by the end of the year. So there are, there are really three key things that remain for us to do. We need to finish the, submit the amended closure plan. We need to complete a permit to take water, to dewater the existing mine. And we obviously need to also get into a position where we have a, an all selling agreement with one of the, with the major companies that own the mills there. Now, we've said before, and, and we reiterate this at the moment, we're hoping that we can have the all selling agreement in place before the end of the quarter, along with the amended closure plan, which will allow us to get started and start the surface bulk sample, which would then effectively be first first cash flow through this advanced exploration program. So it's all, if, if everything, if we can continue to execute to plan, then hopefully we can be in a position to, to as I say, to start generating cash flow this year and we can we can have the, the majority of the agreements in place that we need to start doing that by the end of the first quarter. Well, Jason, I'll throw this back over to you as far as even the bigger vision here. So you have all of this drilling coming up, 25,000 meters. It's going to be discovery focused. You have this pathway over the next year or two where you can put these pieces in place to set up potentially the ore selling agreement from Crane Hill. But then you have even the larger picture where down the road, people are still going to wonder what about Shakespeare. So weave that into the mix. How does that figure into the bigger master plan? Yeah, so we continue to de-risk Shakespeare. You know, we completed some uh, additional engineering, looking at the detailed engineering that's going to help us get, you know, better cost estimates when it's time to uh, to pull the trigger and look at project financing. But we've also applied for a number of government grants, both with the, the U.S. Department of Defense and, and the Canadian federal government. So as we wait to to hear back on those applications for those grants, you know, we're going to continue to look at Shakespeare and understand better how that could fit into a, a hub and spoke model or a complex with Crane Hill. So we have uh, started some internal studies, metallurgical work on blending the two ore types from the open pit at uh, Shakespeare and, and potentially higher grade underground from uh, Crane Hill to understand what that would look like, how much concentrate um, would there need to be any modifications to the mill? Would we need to have, you know, additional concentrate handling, things like that? And so as we complete those, you know, we're going to get to a point where we'll at least have a very good internal understanding of the trade-off studies and and what that right blend of ores would be with the goal of awarding the work for a pre-feasibility study between Shakespeare and Crane Hill, putting ore through a future mill at Shakespeare that would be awarded this year and completed in 2025. So Shakespeare is definitely a very important part of our vision, but we're being realistic. We're looking at, you know, as a company our size right now, what is the, you know, the best path forward? And as Paul said, getting uh, Crane Hill into a cash flowing position is, uh, you know, the right next step. So let's talk about cash then. In terms of money in the bank, I know you raised money last year, but budget-wise, 25,000 meters going through an updated resource, potentially even getting economic studies underway. What do you think the budget's going to be and how much cash do you have to satisfy that? Yeah, so we, uh, you know, as of September 30th, 2022 or 2023, when we uh, last reported our financials, we had 15.5 million cash in the bank. 
So obviously, you know, we have a, a healthy budget this year for 25,000 meters. It's going to be just under $8 million. So we will have enough cash to get through, you know, all of this year. Once we have a better idea later on in the year, what our budget 2025 will look like, you know, we'll obviously uh, determine how much additional cash we'll need going forward for 2025. But for this year, um, we're in good shape to do all those things we were saying, except for actually going and starting to develop the underground advanced exploration program. So that's going to entail dewatering of the underground workings, collaring a new portal and, and driving a ramp underground. The first level we'd be looking at taking a test stope would be around the 35 meter level. So relatively shallow. And then we could just keep ramping down and, and test mining. Currently, we have a amendment in the closure plan for 400,000 tons. So that gives us, you know, lots of runway to understand exactly what a long-term mine plan would look like and then further amend that closure plan. Now, we're going to need cash. And according to our PEA that we released last summer, um, it estimated the advanced exploration program for that scope of work at $48 million with an $8 million contingency. So it is going to require some funding, absolutely. And we believe there's going to be, you know, the ability to do some bootstrapping on it. But we're not going to go out and do a big equity raise right now, even though, you know, there still is appetite from large corporate investors to take positions in, in nickel mining companies like ours. And we've seen a few of our peers, you know, receive some, some investment from some large companies that have that still a, an interest in long-term nickel. But, you know, we're looking at other options for, for financing this. And um, some of the options we're looking at are government grants, as I said, not just for Shakespeare, but we've also applied for some grants for Crane Hill. And we'd also consider looking at potentially uh, precious metal streams or royalties on Crane Hill as a mechanism to uh, fund that advanced exploration program. Well, Paul, just one more question here, just from a high level. The nickel space hasn't got a lot of love recently. It, it was in the people's crosshairs a couple of years ago. But obviously, it is in the interest of manufacturing companies, of the U.S. government, of the Canadian government. There's a lot of battery makers, car companies looking at the space, yet retail investors don't seem as enthused right now. But in the universe of nickel stocks, there's really not a lot of choices of, on advanced projects that are moving towards production in this cycle. So how would you summarize the value proposition for magna mining from a high level for investors that are listening to this that are thinking about the nickel space but not sure where magna mining fits in the spectrum? I mean, if, we, if you're summarizing magna mining in the context of all the other nickel genies out there, of which aren't, there aren't many, as you say, I would say that you know it's, it's very difficult, if not, if not impossible, to find uh, peer companies which have the advantages, the sort of the the preloaded advantages that we have because of our position in, in Sudbury, you know, the infrastructure advantages, the social license to work, the knowledge of the existing base and the geological prospectivity, the proven geological prospectivity, the proven production potential. So all of these things are, are unique to us. And, you know, there's a lot of there's other good junior companies out there, but you, you just won't find that sort of collection of advantages really anywhere else. Um, the, and, of course, the other thing I should say is, is the ease of permitting, of moving into full production as well, as as is evidenced by Green Hill, as, as hopefully by Green Hill, as we've discussed earlier on. So I think that's how you'd summarize a value proposition, if if that's the answer to your question. 
Yeah, I think that'll wrap us up here then, Paul. So, Jason, Paul, thank you very much for this update on Magnum Mining. As we said, big drill program underway this year, Discovery Focus. So please keep us up to speed on some more drill results, and especially if you do make that, in a way, almost game-changing discovery for this year. If anybody has any follow-up questions, please email us. We're happy to get those addressed for you as we follow up with the company. So, Jason, Paul, again, thank you for your time today. Thanks a lot, Corey. Thanks very much.